Welcome to the Militant Grind Show. Today, I have a very special guest, NAACP Image Award winner. I said it first. I said it. I said it first. You're gonna win that award. I said it first. (laughs) Joel Taylor, writer and director of They Clone Tyrone. How you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really interested to talk to you about the process and the way you basically think and how you came up with the concepts for They Clone Tyrone. Because when I watched it, I was like, this person is probably like a deep thinker by putting certain elements into the movie. And I feel like it was super creative. And I like that. Say, one thing that I got from it that I feel like no one has really shined um, on the movie is that you took people that were looked at, say a dope dealer, pimp, and a prostitute, or whatever they want to call it, and they ended up becoming heroes in the community. But usually those people are the people that are looked down on. Like, they're damaging the community. You're a poison, you're a cancer. And I just liked how you took some of the good out of those people and was able to project that to the world. I grew up in L.A., and I love how the movie ended in L.A. I was like, oh, we ain't doing six folds and lowrider snowboard, but this is cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, but you got to do the L.A. stereotypes. Well, yeah, with like, this movie, the stereotypes are built into the premise. So <laughs> I had to throw a couple of them in there. <laughs> exactly, man. So I was just like, wow, because I grew up in the inner city, and I know a lot of people that, that chose those lifestyles, but I've always recognized that there was some good in them. And I just like how you brought that out. And so how did all of that come about? Yeah, I think that kind of, that idea of the detectives being the least likely is part of the first inklings of the premise. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, it was, we first were kicking the idea around, it was called Reagan era. Mm-hmm. It was going to be set in the 80s. And, and the story premise, not like the theme or any of that, but just the plot premise was just the idea of what happens if, the most unqualified detectives are put on a case. And so it's, and not only that, you just take that a step further. It's not only they're not qualified, they like the last people you would want to be on the case from the outside looking in. Right. Like, you know, them. you when you start building out the characters and really thinking about it just in terms of the world building and like the neighborhood and the glen, it, it's, you, you want to, how you said, you want to, really peel back the onion and start with these stereotypes it's just, and it's like an exercise to see mm-hmm. okay can we humanize can we humanize a drug dealer get you to root for him mm-hmm. john's first movie they really broke out with attack the block first thing he does in the first scene is he robs a white lady you know mm-hmm. and it's and you're like oh he lost half the audience there and joe cornish the director of that movie is he, he, he's doing it on purpose, you know what I mean? Because the magic trick is by the end of the movie, you love this dude, and the first thing he does is rob somebody. And it's, right. not, it's not like, oh, man, he had a baby at home, and he, he just robbed somebody. There is no context given to it in the beginning of the movie, so you're not thinking, I understand the rent was due and the baby was crying. <laughs> like, usually you would try to humanize him first and then show him do the quote-unquote, like, the heinous activity. Right. And instead, you did the heinous activity, and then you work backwards and you humanize him afterwards. And so mm-hmm. just in terms of just the craft of having fun with it. I think like trying to work backwards and and, and start with like how we perceive people and see can we peel the onion back and say, oh, I wonder if there's something you could do with a character like this where you come in thinking, oh, I saw Boys in the Hood, I've seen Men's Society. You've seen Mm -hmm. hood movies, you've seen the tropes. Can you take that character and and maybe get somebody to root for him? And so that was the 
the inception of it a little right. bit in terms of how we came to those particular archetypes of being the drug dealer, the pimp, the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so growing up in Alabama, I've read that a lot of the way it was set reminded you of the city that you grew up in, Tuskegee, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And Montgomery. You know? oh, so yeah. in terms of the neighborhood, but really it was, it's, and that goes back into the process of world building mm-hmm. in terms of how we designed the world, how we thought about the Petri dish for the experiment, so to speak. And when I'm when I'm thinking about it, I'm drawing from where I grew up, where there was a movie theater that there was a two like a two theater movie theater, but it closed down basically when I was this big. Mm-hmm. We had a McDonald's, a Wendy's, a Burger King, and then and then there were two. The Wendy's closed down. It was oh. a Domino's, and then that was gone. And, and, and so it was, like, it was a Walmart, and it was what got to be one of the first WalMarts that closed down uh-huh. in America, probably. And that was the rumor. They said it was the first Walmart to close down, but then it became like a Hobby Lobby type place, and then mm-hmm. it became a slightly more bootleg version of Hobby Lobby. And when I was a kid, it, you saw the infrastructure basically remain the same when I was young that it was from like the 70s, the 80s. And so like from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people look at a place and be like, oh, man, people, can we cuss? I don't know if we Yeah, go ahead. They don't give a fuck about don't give a, they must not give a fuck about this place, you know what I mean? But that ain't that could couldn't be further from the truth. That's again going back to like perception and just who's watching and like how like how do you interpret something depending on what lens is the yeah. person that's observing? And so like why do you feel when you look at a neighborhood and you just make a snap judgment about it? So when we were making a glint and the what is this quote-unquote testing ground? What's this Petri just that they're running these experiments in? I think a lot of the just natural that you're going to draw, okay, from the outside looking in, you'd be like, okay, this place needs a coat of paint. And you don't think about the hospital closing down and the brain drain of all the doctors who left when the hospital closed. You don't think about the, just the context behind why certain people moved out or why the population ha- is decreasing in a certain area and things mm-hmm. like that. And, yeah, it, it just human nature you're going to draw from the aesthetics of where you're from Yeah. if you're recreating a neighborhood. So a lot of the aesthetics of just having fun with the anachronisms and a neighborhood that seems like it's lost in time, but also trying to get it to a point where you kind of question what you thought about it when you first came into the movie, which is probably a snap judgment of the Glen or the neighborhood that's in the movie. And hopefully you, by the end of the movie, yeah. you don't look at the neighborhood the same way you looked at it in the beginning and the, the people who live in the neighborhood. You want to know what's funny is because like after I watched it, I was like, what time period was this movie in? <laughs> was it the 90s, 70s, 80s? Like, I have no idea when the film took place. Like, what is the time period? But now after you basically just explained it to me because that is something that confused me. Oh, yeah. But then it, I'm from L.A., Mercedes, the newest cars all day. Like, it's, we're not stuck in one time, unless you go to, like, certain parts of the city. But it's like we're not stuck in the time. But now talking to you, I, could, I get that perspective. Yeah, and, and, and it's, there's other moves, like Napoleon Dynamite famously did this once upon a time, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not a period piece, but it feels like a period piece because of the production design, the costumes, yeah. and stuff like that. It's a movie called It Follows, which came out about 10 years now almost, and mm-hmm. it was like a, a small horror movie, but it was like great. And it had all of these anachronisms in it in the world. It wasn't a period piece, but... And, you know it's not a period piece from the very beginning because you see a modern car in the first shot, but mm-hmm. 
you start seeing they're in a neighborhood in Detroit, but it feels like they're in an alternative universe, mm-hmm. like an alternate universe version of Detroit. And these tube TVs and these blow-up pools, and you're like, wait, wait, it's disappearing. Like, you start wondering, <laughs> like, it's very disorienting. Yeah. And I think that, like, for the genre that we were playing with, I think, like, that disorientation worked in our favor. So we leaned into it a lot of, okay, mm-hmm. if Yo-Yo has an iPhone, but like Charles has a, he's got a flip phone. It's, you all the TVs are tube TVs and things like that to really hopefully disorient you and have you wondering, wait, is this a period piece? So I think it made sense in in, in a mystery context to yeah. have fun with that. Right, yeah, because I definitely couldn't tell at all whatsoever. <laughs> and I like how, because when I first heard about you, my boy who went to Tuskegee was like, yeah, man, you know, the guy that wrote, who called Tyrone, he went to Tuskegee. I'm like, do you know Ian Evans? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, everybody, yeah, come on, man. Shout out Ian. Yeah, yeah. Ian, <laughs> Ian, my, my boy. So Ian is Tuskegee to the bone. To the max. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To the max. And I was just like, okay, he went to Tuskegee? Like, I couldn't believe it. Then he was like, oh, yeah, he's from Alabama. Yeah, I, I didn't like, go to Tuskegee. I was born on the campus of Tuskegee, but I didn't go there for college. You did it? No, I'm, I'm just from Tuskegee. Oh. I was born in Tuskegee. I was born at the hospital I mentioned earlier that closed down. I was born at the hospital. Oh, One okay. of the last babies before the hospital closed down. All right. I yeah. went to the University of Florida. I'm a Gator. Okay, because I'm trying to figure out, like, how did this even, but, yeah, that's what I heard. Maybe I got the wrong information. Oh, no, I mean, it, close they, enough, it's close enough, It's not like there's a lot of things about you on the Internet anyway. You need to get some <laughs> stuff off the Internet for sure, you know. Like, but, then, but then it was just interesting because usually when you hear about Hollywood writers and people that write films, they're from, like, New York, L.A., Chicago, these big cities. It was just, wow, a guy from Alabama <laughs> wrote this movie? Say Alabama is a state that I used to live in Georgia. I went to Morehouse in Atlanta, but Alabama's right there, but we just never had the desire to go to Alabama (laughs) at all. It was two hours away, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) We just never have, so I was just interested, like, how the Two hours from Atlanta. Right, yeah, the 20. You just take the 20, you go straight, boom. You know what I mean, you there. And I was just like, it was, no offense, bro, but it's just me keeping it real. You know, I I am from Hollywood, I'm from LA. But I I was like, this brother from Alabama, wrote this sci-fi thriller comedy film. It's his first film with an Academy Award-winning actor for Best Actor who starred in the film. And I'm like, what? Like, I was like, <laughs> how did this even happen? Like, that was amazing, bro. Kudos to you, too. That was amazing, bro. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And I was, it was, yeah, a lot of serendipity, really, in terms of just relationships that we knew people and we didn't have nothing necessarily going. We, we, I went to USC for grad school, so mm-hmm. I, me and my writing partner, Tony, we, we were classmates at film school. So mm-hmm. that's how we started writing together. And so we ended up getting screenwriting jobs first and we got to know a lot of people. And really shout out to Stephen Cable who directed Creed too. He was the one who really, that was my first like real studio job and it's cause I went to film school with the director and for whatever reason he, you know, was adamant that he wanted me to do it. And then mm-hmm. we grandfather Tony up in there, you right, know what I'm right. saying? And like Steve got to know Tony and then it was, you know, that that kind of took off from there on a screenwriting tip. Mm-hmm. And all these you go on these general meetings and 
you talk to people and you don't have nothing to offer them. But you, you, it'd be cool, you know what I'm saying? You have a good vibe. Just like we sit here now, you sit and just chill and mm-hmm. get to know somebody. And then you keep in touch with them. You might get coffee with them. But nothing happens. And then, like, you get a movie and then they come back to you. Oh, we, now that somebody yeah. gave you a job, they come back to you with more work, and now you start to get more writing assignments. And mm-hmm. the first one is the hardest one to get. You know, you need a little luck in a lot of cases. Not yeah. everybody. Some people just write something that's absolutely incredible, and everybody wants it, and mm-hmm. that's the end. But in our case, it was a little for- fortune work worked for us for a change. And so, once the screenwriting got established, then I had some friends that who were execs at certain companies that I got to know, and they had moved to other places. Mm-hmm. And a, a friend of mine named Brian Smiley, who actually is runs Kevin Hart's company. I don't say runs. I don't know if he's the president, but he's basically like up there at, at uh, Heartbeat. But mm-hmm. he worked at he worked at for Baron Davis had a film production company. He optioned a script that I wrote at USC, mm-hmm. and so that was like the first time I ever got paid for a script. And then he ended up going to Columbia at Sony. And I had this idea for years. Mm-hmm. We would just casually pitch it, and, and I was in the Universal Fellowship. I, I'd gotten a fellowship with Universal. And so it was an exec named Josh McLaughlin, who was at Focus Features at the time. And those two really liked the idea. Of like, when are you going to write that? When are you going to? Man, you got to write that. But mm-hmm. we had just got work, so we in this scarcity mentality. So mm-hmm. we just, like, taking all the, all the jobs we can get. And most of them are rewrite jobs. Most of the movies don't get made, but... You still get paid, and when you were coming out of film school in general, trying to be a screenwriter, you're going to try to build up your, you know, your quote, build up your goodwill, like return scripts in on time, that kind of stuff. So over time, you just build a relationships with people, and then they move to different places, and they've been both saying, what's going on with this movie? And finally, my homie Brian, he, he twisted our arm to pitch it, and so we took it out and pitched it. And mm-hmm. that's how it really got going. And casting took a long time. We set it up with Macro, kind of developed it independently. Mm-hmm. And then the, the budget was a little more than – like it, we hadn't written the script. We pitched it without a script, so we sold it. And now it's like, okay, we write the script. Oh, wow. And now it's like, budget the script. And they're like, all right, we need to go back to finance here, a, a studio partner again. So we went back mm-hmm. out once we had the script. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ended up with Netflix – and that process took two years mm-hmm. to get it from selling it to macro to like ready to make it because it was really like hard to get actor schedules to align. And, right. But just you're a first time filmmaker. They might like it, but mm-hmm. it, I wouldn't agree to do it. I don't even know why Jamie did Like sometimes I'm like, I don't know why y'all even said yes to this. Because if I was <laughs> in your boat, I wouldn't have did it. <laughs> it's a big risk yeah. realistically, right? Yeah. Like, who is this dude? And it's a first-time filmmaker. You probably don't know me from a hole in the wall, so it's a lot of people really like the script. And we have Macro, obviously, behind us. You, you had Charles King. You had you, you did have reputable sources in mm-hmm. terms of who was making it, so that helped. And just, just meeting with the actors and really connecting with them. And fortunately, eventually, it, Man, the schedule was lined you up. You got some ancestors from Alabama. Pray for you, boy. <laughs> I was like, man, he got. It's, I was watching. I was like, is that the girl from the Marvels? Oh like, yeah, oh, Tiana. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she, she then John Boyega on Star Wars. I'm like, whoa, he and 
David Allen Greer. I was like, whoa. Jamie helped me get David Allen Greer and Datari Turner. One of our producers, they hooked that one up. Oh, you said Tyron Turner? Datari Turner. Oh, Datari Turner. was okay. one of our producers. Yeah. Uh, he, him and Jamie helped hooked up to David Allen Greer. Yeah. We casted yeah. him while we were shooting. Yeah, man, that's, yeah. A, that's a hell of a success story, man. We definitely was, was a lot of serendipity in terms of just schedules lining up and people liking the script and mm -hmm. the, the, the studio putting their faith in it. Because at the end of the day, like, they ain't getting paid, they ain't doing it. So, like, right. somebody had to front the money, you know what I mean? Right, somebody right. had to still come with the paycheck right. for people to say yes at the end of the day. And so when you got those names attached to it, like Jamie and John and Tiana, is that her name? And Tiana yeah, Pierce. Tiana Pierce, yeah. yeah. Was it easier to get more money and more support and things like that? We got, yeah. Like, so it was like we when we went back with with Netflix, mm. we had basically John, and long story. We tried to cast Tiana, then she had to go do Candyman. She had to do Wandavision, so oh, we yeah. didn't think we would get her. Mm -hmm. It took so long that she finished all that and she was available again. We had John and Tiana. Jamie came, eleventh hour kind of thing, mm -hmm. and once Jamie came. The budget, that's when the budget got bigger. Oh, heck you yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> it was a smaller movie, and then Jamie was down to do it. And so it was like, all right. Now the appetite's getting, the studio's appetite yeah. got bigger. Everybody want a piece now. Like, yeah, and so you went from, like, making, when we first pitched it, we, what were we talking about? We was pitched at a smaller budget. Everybody, nobody batted an eye, and it was, mm -hmm. like, nowhere near that budget. We hadn't we didn't even have a script when we pitched it, so we was just pulling a number out of our ass. Yeah. And everybody, like, oh, yeah, for sure. And that, you look back, and you're like, Nobody ever knows what they're talking about when it comes to budget. Yeah, some people do, but, like, in general, people just, yeah, they ballpark it and they retrofit it to fit the budget they needed to be, and obviously you make a lot of concessions and stuff like that, and which mm -hmm. we were fully prepared to make. And ultimately we had to make anyway because we wrote it just this is what we wanted to be. And yeah. obviously sometimes the money, like, we shot it in COVID, so, like, COVID ate up a lot of stuff. And mm -hmm. But in general, once Jamie signed on that's when they were like okay yeah we gonna put a little bit more money in this budget put a little bit more y'all put some money into yeah. building them labs and all that yeah I'm yeah that's where most, most of our construction budget was Ooh, like one set you well, know? i was like god that's the lab like whoa yeah. and a lot of that is set extensions shout out to crafty apes who did our vfx mm -hmm. but we were able to really build a few really detailed sets which was obviously a blessing we shot it in COVID, so we actually ended up building more sets than we were going to shoot it before COVID hit. So we ended up shooting it in 2020. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Came out in 2023, but that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, we shot it. We started shooting at the end of 2020. And so a lot of some things we shot on location, but, like, we were going to find an apartment, but we ended up building it. We're just mm -hmm. shooting exteriors on location. Mm -hmm. We ended up building the Leo's house, our grandmama's house, Fontaine's house, the motel room. We had to build all of it for COVID compliance. You, but again, that's a large part of testament to just the talent in the movie of John and Tiana and Jamie and even Kiefer and David Allen Greer. Like the budget, they were willing to eat that cost mm -hmm. because of the names attached. Right. Because it was definitely going to be find an apartment, make it oh, work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But with COVID, it's like you have these restrictions of how many people can be in a room at the same time. You have like air circulation restrictions that the studios had to do. It was filmed we in Atlanta, bubble. right? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you could jug. Wild West out that thing. You could jug in Atlanta a little bit. You could. You, you, everybody was jugging in Atlanta. You right. Know? Like, right. No, everybody was jugging in Florida. Okay. Half the people were jugging in Atlanta. Everybody was jugging in Florida. But we were in a bubble, though. So we shot it like an NBA bowl. Yeah. Know? So the crew, they rented out a hotel, like the, mm. the whole nine. Mm-hmm. None of that obviously would have happened if Jamie and John and T. Like, if the talent that was on the movie wasn't on the movie, mm-hmm. they would have just waited till COVID was over. They wasn't going to spend that money. Because Jamie basically had a window of he can do it in this time. And yeah. if Jamie Foxx is willing to do the movie, yeah, you he's got get it this down, window. In yeah. large part because of COVID, things are shutting down. So it's like miraculously the schedules line up because of COVID. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, now he's got time. Y'all really want to do this during COVID? And it's, it's now or who knows what's coming afterwards. Spider-Man came right afterwards. The third, the latest yeah. Spider-Man movie, he literally like we were shooting. And he had to go work on Spider-Man for three weeks and come back. Mm. And so we had to take advantage of the window that we had him. And so they was like, all right. Nah, bro, you, had, you, you got to yeah. do it. There's no way yeah, nah, that was, couldn't have happened. Like, oh, yeah. And, again, I was grateful to, to Netflix for being crazy enough to green light it mm-hmm. <laughs> during COVID. And said, we, this one we got Jamie. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And so after you figured out that you got nominated for Best Director, and best writer for Who Cloned Tyrone. Like, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like maybe I'm going to go and buy that old school and get a gold grill? You know what I'm saying? I, I got stuck? a grill. I got <laughs> I got a grill. <laughs> you know, you I mean, just going to go full Alabama on them, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I just don't want my mama to cuss me out. Mama hate it. Mama hates it. And so I, that's the only thing keeping me from wearing hoodies and, and just sandals everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, it's the temptation was like, all right, let me go ahead and get this grill ready. Man, and, I would have got my yeah. Instagram popping like, hey, what's oh, up, man? man? Well, how y'all like me now? I would have <laughs> have me get nominated for a Man, I, I actually got another grill for, I, I I wasn't supposed to be in a movie. My homeboy from L.A. was supposed to be, I'm in the last scene, uh-huh. unintentionally, but because of COVID, they moved the schedule around and, 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 and you had to test, you had to quarantine to get into mm-hmm. Cadence. So you had to like basically be in quarantine for two weeks and stay in a hotel and get monitored and then test out or oh, test man. in. So it was like very restrictive in terms of if you to get on the set. Yeah. And they moved the date and my homeboy basically didn't have time to, to test in. Mm-hmm. And so we had used every black person on the set <laughs> as a background. If you was a PA, if you was a yeah. get in here and get in the background. And so I was basically like the last person and Tony loved, Tony was just like, what's well, gotta be you? I was like, no. And so I, uh, so basically, I you know, I ended up having to. I forgot why I, why I even started saying this. Why did I start saying this story? What were we just talking about? Roll, man. I know I was asked, but I, I was. For I was the NAACP award. That's what it was. The grill. I was like, why am I right. telling stories? <laughs> but <laughs> once I was in it, I was like, damn, I, I gotta get another grill. So I ended up getting a grill, rush a rush grill that they turn around in the day. If you look at the, the special thanks to the movie, you'll see A Town grills. Oh wow! Because <laughs> they rushed the grill for me just to yeah. have in the scene. You can't even see it that good because of the angle, but. I, had, I went and got like a bottom grill, so like, like a one-day rush turnaround, just so I could have a grill. What in the scene movie. was you in? Like with the last scene. The last I'm scene was in the in very LA, last. Right? I am the. I say in ain't LA? that you, Tyrone. That's why my homie from LA was supposed to say the line. Oh, he, ain't right. that you, Tyrone? I'm gonna check that out. Be like, that? all right, pause. There you go. I was like, I, I, I got a. <laughs> I, I don't have an LA accent, so. I had oh, my homie not. from L.A. Hey, cuz, ain't that you, Tyrone? He was supposed to hit him man, with the should, L.A. You should have had me up, you know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. Oh, man. But, yeah, yeah no, it's funny that you say that because, say, 
my boy was like, yeah, call Joel. And I was nervous. You big time Hollywood. I'm not. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I, I, so man, I, was, I was like, all right, man. We'll be at you know, the house playing, it took me playing like video a, games. To not, like, <laughs> like I stayed at the house and played video games all day. Yo, it took me like a week to call y'all. I was like, man, I don't know what to say. Whoop dee whoop He was like, what up, bruh? And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, damn, he a real dude. Oh, okay, hey, goodness. what's up, bro? Hell yeah. I thought you were going to be like, hello, this is Joel. I know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? Bro, you wrote a movie that was on Netflix. I was like, oh, hold on. This is a real brother. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. And then shout out one of my favorite people ever, bro. Favorite. It's your cousin. Oh, Ani. Ani, bro. That is small my world. dog. As a small like world. We were in this program at USC together called the Ross Minority Program of Real Estate. She's in commercial oh, she, real estate. She's doing I was, her thing. Yeah, she's doing her thing, man. And I posted up your award and she like commented on my story. And I was like, yeah, you know, I ain't trying to put any bad juju on the interview or nothing. But yeah, I'm an interview. She was like, oh, that's my cousin. Hey, I was like, what? That's my cousin, cousin. Yeah, <laughs> like I was like, hold on, how are y'all related? And then she told me, like, oh, yeah, y'all really cousins. Yeah, and that's yeah. good, you know. I, I, I didn't even know it until I came out here. I know that's crazy. Film school, yeah, and I actually met her. You know, my her her mama is my first cousin. I uh, I shot a short at a mama house. Oh, and I was like, I didn't even realize I had the, all these cousins in L.A. Oh, which yeah. is crazy. Now she's she's pretty connected out here. She she doing a thing. Yeah. Yeah, man, one of my favorite people till this shout day. Shout out Ani, shout out yeah, Junior. Shout out Ani. But yeah, man, I was like, wow, this is a, a small world, man. But it was just refreshing just to be like, wow, we got somebody that is a part of us that's like really from the community that could basically show other people that they could do what you do. And I feel like your story is going to be such a great inspiration to people that have negative stereotypes pinned against them. A lot of people be like, oh, you have locks and you talk like this and you don't talk like them and you don't sound like them. So you're not gonna be able to be in that realm. But then when I talked to you, I was like, oh no, nah, this guy is, cause I could tell, like I lived in the South too. I was like, oh no, nah, he has a real Southern accent. <laughs> the way he talks, the way he uses his words, I'm just like, this is gonna be great. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Hopefully, man. Yeah. yeah, no, it is, bro. You are somebody from Alabama that's doing these doing these things, these big things, bro. And then I did some more research. I was like, hold on, he wrote Creed too? I didn't even, <laughs> nobody even talked about that. But then the writers aren't on the front line like that. Like, they're more it's so the Yemen's like, work. Yeah, yeah, they're like low key. And then I was like, Space Jam, the new Space Jam? Oh, because my kids love that. They call it bouncy ball, but <laughs> they love that new Space Jam, man. So it was just like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Hey, as long as the kids love it, oh yeah, we'll take you know, it. We'll take adults it gonna be hating like he ain't Jordan. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to top Space Jam. It is yeah. what it is. But I mean, as no, long as the kids like it, yeah, so it's for children. But people gonna say well, I wasn't even tripping. I'm like, like hey, once it's in the universe, it it's, it doesn't you know it's the worlds. It don't even belong to you. You can't even. I don't even. <laughs> Oh, you don't even be tripping? Not at all. You no? Know, if you like it, I'm, I love it. If you like it, I love it. If you don't like it, you know what now? Who, who, am know, I to, who am I to tell you to like it? Also found something out about you. And okay. I was like, I understand this guy's personality so much more. It's because he's just like me. Like, he's a Taurus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I, I read that and I was like, okay, 
now I had, because, you know, my company's Militant Grind. And I was like, you know what? And I, I, that's why I put the bull right there. Because the oh. I saw you, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I got to put a bull. He a tourist, too. Oh. <laughs> Two tourists on there. Man, let's go. You know what I mean? I'll I take like, it. I'll take it. Yeah, and that's why, like, I was listening to your interview today. I was like, you was like, man, shit, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't know what, what other people is. think. Like, you think what you gonna think, I'ma think what I'm gonna think. I don't give a damn, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> there were people like say they were asking you questions, and I was like, this guy is not gonna give you a direct answer. He is not gonna answer your question so you can hear what you wanna hear. You know what I'm saying? But it, there's no there's no like wrong opinion though. That's the thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, Cause I I don't want it to come off of man I don't I'm I am evasive by nature probably but like, I don't want it to come off as I don't care about the question as much as it's, I don't know I always feel like I'm trying to put the thought in your head if I yeah. I don't know it, it, I get self conscious about trying to explain things or trying to feel like I'm trying to lead a horse to water or yeah. be preachy or didactic about something and it's like half the time it's like they mind had been made up since they saw it like they, if they liked it great but if you're not gonna convince somebody who didn't like a movie that tell it just because you tried yeah. to explain it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and, and perspective is everything. Like you mentioned perspective earlier, and it's like you could like say there's a movie that I love, The Creator. I mm -hmm. loved it, but I loved it because of certain things that were in the movie that I could relate to, that I could analyze, and things like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, it looks so, amazing. Yeah, like, it's just a beautiful movie in general. But somebody else could watch it like, ah, it was okay. Ah, it was this that, and the third. But they didn't get from it what I got from it. Of course. And that's the beauty of y'all like, both right. That's the crazy. Y'all both right. It's there's no right or wrong way because somebody could judge it, somebody could love it, somebody else look, man, I'm gonna just put it out there. Whatever you think is what you think. Like, I can't help it. I could tell you what the message I got from it, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like for you, it's tricky because your message could basically fuck up how everybody views the movie. Because it, it, it becomes canon. Oh, that's, oh, that's what happened. Right, that's what right. happened. But that's because what he happened. wrote the movie and he directed <laughs> it. So it must mean this. So all of y'all are wrong. So I respected that. And I cut off the fucking interview. I was like, I can't listen to this shit no more. He is not gonna answer anything. I swear to God, I will bro. answer. Hey, I was like, God questions. damn it! I don't know what the fuck. I'm oh man, to. yeah. I, like I said, I answer questions. I just, I try not to. I just try not to like break it down for that exact reason of. And I, and don't get me wrong, that I've answered questions. Like people are like, we had a screening, and like a lady was just, like, she was like, all right. I need to know about this mama. And I just sat there and talked to her about the mama for 10 minutes after mm -hmm. the screening. And she was like, okay, all right. And she mm -hmm. just left. And I was like, I don't know if that made her like the movie more or not. But she right. goes, what's going on with this mama? With his mama in the room? And I just like, here's what I was thinking. I just walked her through the whole thing. And she's like, all right, all right, okay, okay. And then just left. And I was like, all right. I have no idea what that <laughs> what, did for her enjoyment of the movie, <laughs> but hopefully that, because she, I could feel the subtext of that shit was stupid. That was the subtext, right? Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute, so he didn't have a mama, but the mama was in the room, and like, she was yeah. trying to work the logistics out, and I was like, yeah. oh, Lord, and like, you start trying to work the logistics out, I lost you already. You're trying <laughs> to work the actual logistics out. So there's a man in the room listening in the tape recorder, and he hits the tape response as soon as he talks but there's a delay start. oh so. that is smart though because i don't even think about it like that yeah, but that is a good thing because i because now that you say it it pops up in my mind like how did that person know what to say if there was just a little tape recorder sitting there in the room so you fucked up the whole script with that one huh
damn, she got you, bro. Yeah, I gave her the actual answer. <laughs> I, like, I, gave her the, I was like, because I'm trying to explain. I'm like, nah, we worked it all out. It's actually, this happened, you know, walking through like the logistics of how it works. Of No, there's a can response. And when he knocks on the door, wait for the pause. And she never answers right away because they're always scrambling to find the answer. But they only have a few responses. So it's, it's not really always exactly lined up to what he asked her. Sometimes it's a non sequitur. Yeah. Like I was explaining it. Like I was just over, over talking it. Confused her. Yeah, no, it, it definitely confused her more. I could see. I was like, yeah. it's I, I shouldn't have even. Yeah, no, I ain't gonna say nothing. I can't say that. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say there's some there's a filmmaker that makes movies that confuse the hell out of me, and I would love to be like, man, can you just tell all the people what the hell this means? <laughs> I'm glad you're not like that because I actually wrote something on Facebook about your movie, right? Of the movie or your movie, whatever. And people were just like, yeah, it was so deep. And I was like, it wasn't really deep. They put everything on the table for you. Like, it's not like a big conspiracy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it was all laid out. Like, you got to see what was going on. You know what I'm saying? No, and that's no. what I like because I feel like sometimes you got to make, not that you have to, but I just like films where it's like the average person could see it and they don't have to be a damn genius to figure it out. A simple person could watch it and get the film. You yeah, know what I'm saying? No, we, we definitely, again, like, the goal was, like, my friends back home, if they saw it, would they laugh? Would they enjoy it? If I saw the trailer, would I want to go see it? You know what I'm saying? Right. And obviously, different movies do different things for you in terms of just, like, how you enjoy it. Some movies make you think. Some movies are just funny. Some movies scary. Yeah. Every movie ain't a mind-bending Adventure, right. you know what I'm saying? And so right. we, and, and obviously it's like it's plenty of experimental movies where everything is subtext, but we want to just, hopefully in a perfect world, people watch it, they enjoy it. And then if they go argue about it, when they go out to eat afterwards, even better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they go out to Buffalo Wild Wings and start, like that was like the cherry on top. If you go to Reddit and you start looking up, theories about the movie mm -hmm. and you start noticing easter eggs like cool mm -hmm. but hopefully you just like, invest it while you're watching it and you're enjoying it while you're watching it and if, if that's all you do that's cool too like you don't want to skip step one of i want to i want to enjoy it while i'm watching it that's trying right. to put the the glacier under the surface of the yeah. water yeah like, you know you still want to enjoy the part that's on top of the water at the same time so. right nobody wants to watch a two-hour movie and you just get a 10 minute message out of it. You saying like, I, I really can't stand that. I'd be like, God damn, I watched this whole movie. I was bored sitting over here waiting to figure out what's about to happen. Oh, it was an alien. Oh, damn. Okay, man, movie's ending. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like that's like a, a disservice, man. But one other thing that I wanted to hit on is that between the Fontaines being in every city, it kind of reminded me of a song by DJ Quick, Just Like Compton. You heard that song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, me being from L.A., L.A. is in the movies. We like the home of the game banging and all that. You know what I'm saying? And then you go to other cities, you're like, man, there's hoods everywhere. <laughs> I don't even know people was doing this type of stuff in other cities. Like, I thought we were the end-all, be-all. And I, I like that because it was like there is a Fontaine in every neighborhood. There is a... Ooh, we I forgot the pimp's name. Slick Charles. There, there's like these people are replicated in every single city. You know what I'm saying? And I just liked how you put that out there. Like that was pretty genius. But then these people also need to 
or they can be saviors in these cities too. So it's, okay, Fontaine saved Atlanta, and now it's going to happen again in L.A., and it's like a redemption for every inner city, people in the inner city, in every yeah, city. Because technically they're not even in Atlanta. Yeah. They're not. We, ne- we never hear the I know license what, plate says a swell place, so you don't even oh, know what shit. state they're in. You just know they're somewhere in the deep south. I know that so that's everything. that's more explanation I normally would even say. I know that yeah. everything is filmed in Atlanta. We that's did shoot it in Atlanta, though. Exactly. <laughs> so you, and I lived in Atlanta for and so four it's, years. If you're in there, you know it's Atlanta. Right, right. So obviously, I think most people think it's set in Atlanta. But if you look at some of the details, you realize nobody ever says what city they're in. Because oh, it's, it's sure. supposed to be archetypal anyway. So it's just anywhere USA you know what I mean? Definitely not for LA, that, though. just like Compton, for that same reason. Yeah, anywhere in the South, but yeah, I got and you. Yeah, anywhere in the South, <laughs> yeah, like you're definitely in Stockton, California. Right. You know? <laughs> no, not talking to be like that, man. But yeah, I, I like the commonality that you you put out there when it comes to the film. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. there is a there are people like that in every city. But then me growing up in L.A. and me knowing people that you know, I have friends that sold sell drugs, pimps girls that are prostitutes and things like that that I went to school with and it was like it's not necessarily that these are bad people they just make bad choices or choices that they feel like they need to make in order to survive and I really like how you came out with that message because it's like a lot of people come from a place of judgment when it comes to people like in underserved communities but I spoke about this on the podcast previously. My dad was in the Nation of Islam and my uncle, so I'm around a bunch of people in the nation. They reform black men. So I see people that were in the streets selling drugs, drug addicts and all that end up becoming soldiers in the FOI. So when I like I have a soft spot for people when it comes to when it comes to them coming from these type of situations, like they have some good in them. They just don't know what to do. They don't have a, a purpose. They probably do have a purpose, but they just don't know what the purpose is yet. And then it was like, wow, Slick Charles, Fontaine, uh, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Their purpose was to basically liberate the community. And like you said, they were the worst, like the worst people that you could probably find to do that. You know what I'm saying? But this, I feel like the message to me is for me of the film is we need to give people a chance to be great. Everybody has some type of greatness in them that they could bring to the world. They just have to figure out what it is. That's a great message, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a, see, if, see, if somebody, I knew I was you know smart. Yeah, if you, know? take, if you take that from the movie, that <laughs> we did a good job, you right. know what I'm saying? Definitely ain't what we meant, but shit. Oh, you no, got I did. When I think about the movie, it, it, it's definitely, we hoped that you would come out of it feeling with a triumphant feeling, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And we hope you would re-examine those characters and look at them with a new lens. And we hope you would look at the neighborhood and think, oh, it's not just the leftovers, right. you know what I'm saying? It's more, there's like more potential in these characters than that. It's more, there's more beauty in this place than first meets the eye from like an outsider's point of view. So we hope that you get, you get to the end of the movie and you start looking at it like that. You know? yeah. So if, if you did, then it feels like we at least did something right. Yeah, but then it's, that's my perspective. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else might have been like, man, this means that black people shouldn't go to church because the, church are, <laughs> the churches are corrupted. You saw yeah. the pastor there, we, we can't go to church no more. <laughs> I'm sure that happened to somebody. You know what I mean? But, hey. I, got, <laughs> I, I, I have no doubt. 
real like kind of insider baseball like when we tested it like that scene mm-hmm. was one of the most highly rated scenes but it also it, it it was it that scene tested as good as any other scene in the movie but the people who didn't like the movie mm-hmm. that and the chicken scene were like the two things they cited as yeah. I'm not fucking with it. Oh, it's like, funny cause like I, if you don't fuck with it, you really don't fuck with it. I was thinking all. about that because I was like, they mentioned them. I was listening to an interview and I was like, they mentioned the church scene and the chicken scene. But growing up, the church I went to, they cooked fried chicken in the basement, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> in the church. And we would eat it for breakfast, you know what I mean? And I was like, damn, what were they trying to do to us? <laughs> I was like, we had a double whammy all at one time. We used to be grape a, drink. Yeah. Yeah, the great <laughs> yeah, the grape drink, which was communion. Communion, y'all, you drinking the blood of Christ. I used to be like, hell yeah, we get some juice. That's so what I, I used to, to like to the bread. I was in like a Catholic church as a kid, man. I used to just oh, y'all were want serious. to eat the bread. Yeah, no, nah, that's an <laughs> OG. Like the wafers. Of, that's an OG of churches. Yeah, like the Catholic OG communion. When it was wine, yeah. it was like disgusting. I used to hate the taste oh, of it. Oh, it was real wine? Oh yeah. Wow. What? Yes. Oh, I never. I grew up with the Koji. People running down the aisle screaming and don't, 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 don't. Ah, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you naturally go. You're going you gonna to visit all the different denominations at some point growing up in Alabama. So you know what? You, I think gonna I'm going to be kinda, in a Pentecostal church. You're going you're so, to be in a four-hour church on, man, with your friend. I think I just got a little hot right now. For, first off, hold on. So you had the nerve to put that church scene in there and you were Catholic the whole damn time. You feel me? I'm not. What? A, <laughs> like, what, like, so you gonna diss my Kojic churches like I, that? Who, oh, Why'd you do it in the Catholic church, bro? Why was it that scene set out in the in the church that you grew up in? Why you got to diss my Kojics like that? You know what I'm saying? Ooh, yeah, he, he getting spicy. <laughs> like. I'm over here. I spent a lot like of this. time in all these churches. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time in all these churches. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's some. Yeah. There's some r- r- true life aesthetics that that I was pulling from the the production design in the mm-hmm. church and the mural on the back and that you oh, see that on the mural, wall. Yeah. Uh, like, was it know, the uh, was it the white Jesus? Yeah, just a, just a giant, gigantic. <laughs> Man, I was like, oh, they doing extras now. But then that also made me think that okay, this must be set back in the day or something because that really doesn't exist no more. But then I understood. The message, when I seen it, I was like, okay, I get what they're talking about. The white savior, Jesus, that kind of got a lot of us, like the black people in the 50s or 60s, hooked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got that part. But then I was, like, confused. I was like, okay, like, I don't feel like that's relevant as much anymore. But then I got where y'all was coming from. See, this is the trap because you cold with it because I'm about to, I was about to start, like, going, explaining, but I don't want it to be canon. It's just the, I'll say it just so I, not to be super evasive. Yeah. Just the different stops they make, seeing the different, like, methodologies of control, like orthodoxy. In your, it's in your food. Is We try to hit all the different slices at different points. And when they're in, like, that tail and surveil, and in, in the original script, they, they made more stops, but, like, things get cut. Yeah, you know, for money reasons stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think you, you you see the chicken scene and and, and the detect the detective telling surveil part of the movie. You're seeing like the effects of food. You're seeing the, oh, yeah. the effects of beauty. But then you're also seeing other ways of control beyond just like you're seeing beyond just like the grape drink, which is which mm-hmm. had which clearly has some properties mm-hmm. in the grape drink, mm-hmm. but. The orthodoxy, like the messaging of just accepting bad things and 
being docile in the face of what they're trying to do to the neighborhood. And it's like when your grandson Jamal was gunned down in the drive-by shooting, just have faith, just trust. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think a lot of times there is a You know, I'm getting in the now I'm getting in the murky oh, deep man, water. Come on, bro. But, you, you, know, <laughs> you watched it too. You know what I'm saying? Know, but I, I want to get like your perspective of it. Yeah, I think a lot of times, I think there is a temptation to accept things that you can change. It's like that. Now they say faith without works is dead. Yeah. I think that there is a temptation to have the faith without the work. That's, that is something that, like, a point that you, that was made in the film, though, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know, it's a lot of the fun in the scene is it's insidious because they're, they're saying trust and trust the plan. And so as long as, and the plan, obviously, is in this black exploitation sense of demand and trust in his vision, obviously, the him that the preacher's talking about isn't even God, it's the man, right? right? Like it's, so the vision that is, is trust the status quo that the people who are overseeing this neighborhood are trying to impose on you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it's all part of a plan. Now it is all a part of a plan, like Kiefer Sutherland and they're like, their plan, they, whoever they are, it's part of right. their plan and that different aspects of how they keep people trusting in the plan. And so, like, when you get to the church, you get to the most, in in my opinion, but it's not canon, but the most insidious form is, like, this kind of indoctrination to, oh, it's cool, like, your your grandson Jamal was just gunned down. Like, it's all part of the plan. And so trying to keep people who otherwise might be up in arms about certain things, not up in arms about them, Mm-hmm. To put it like super simple, to be like reductive about it, but yeah, it's yeah. like why do we keep accepting this status of life when we have the power to make a change? Like we don't have to do these things; we're choosing to do these things to ourselves. And I had a conversation today with a guy, and I was like, "Man, for some reason, a lot of people in the black community just want to be victims. If we're dying of heart disease and heart failure and high blood pressure." We need to stop eating fried chicken. Luckily, I don't have any of that. So I ate me some fried chicken so right said, before I came here. You know what I, I'm saying? I, but I, I'm just, but then I, it's, have, I have some barbecue. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I still have a, a relatively healthy lifestyle, very healthy lifestyle. But then it's the things that are causing us pain. We need to look at it like right in the face and solve it. You know what I'm saying? Come on, wake up. This is hurting you. You know this. You know, and, and, and that's a, but that's a good point though, because that's the, the the biggest reason I I try not to come across like I'm like preaching ever, like I'm just trying to make a movie that entertains. It's because I also am not trying to demonize any of this. Mm-hmm. I eat, I literally just had a brisket sandwich for lunch today. I had Chick Fil A with a Arnold Palmer yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily you're trying to demonize any of this stuff because I do this, you know what I'm saying? I listen to the same music that's featured in the movie, so it's not like a holier than thou. Yeah. That's what you're afraid of, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I've always been afraid of people interpreting it as like holier than thou. Look at y'all down there listening to X, Y, Z. It's more just an exploration of things do affect you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The things do have an effect and exploring what that effect is, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I understand that everybody don't take the same thing from certain music. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, and, you know, I, I 
I can listen to the song and have no compulsion to go shoot somebody. You know what I'm saying? Man, that was always me, man. It was crazy because I was a huge fan of 3-6 Mafia growing up. I love 3-6 Mafia. I'm talking I love about Project nobody, Pat. bro, I know Project Pat songs by heart. Pro Project Pat's on the sound. We, we went and got Project Pat because I'm a huge fan bro, of Project I'm Pat. Bro, <laughs> I was the only dude in L.A. Bumping Project Pat. Uh, Mr. Don't Mr. Play Don't, is one of my on, favorite man. albums of all time. Come on, man. My top 10 favorite albums I ever made. I like you know this brave, brave and that I don't get cut. Man, what? Saying, jumping down at chicken, chicken nuts. nuts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, baby's weed is in my lungs. Like, I could nigga, we, stick we, before we a bag. I'm going to shoot him in his ass. ass. I'm going to show him who the boss. Like, well, you know niggas got to learn, man. Like, I always say, how the fuck you robbers? Going to rob the robber. Like, right. I say that shit all the time. Like, <laughs> right. I, I can really recite the whole Miss It on Play. You Bro, know what I'm saying? Get it green, laying the smack down. Come like, on, man. And so that's what I mean. It's really? having fun, yeah. exploring. But then I could also tell you about a country music song at the same time. Word. But you like seriously, we both Tauruses. But I feel like what I always loved about Project Pat was that he was authentic. Shout out to Project. He, yeah, he shout did out the soundtrack to for Pat. us. Like shout he, out, he's shout on out the soundtrack. To Project he, Pat. I'm your biggest fan Fontaine, on the West Coast. Fontaine me. gets killed too. That's Project Pat in the background yeah. when he gets shot in the car. Yeah, but yeah. I, I loved him because he was just so authentic, and you could like really feel him. Like when he raps, and then you end up. I think Gangsta Fred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Got a call from Gangsta Fred just the other day. Yeah, I forgot. Hold on. Got a call. Got a call from my dog, Gangsta Fred. He talked about Gangsta Fred in several songs. Hold on. What was that song? I'm trying to think about what the song is. Oh, yeah. We Can Get Gangsta. Yeah, We Can Get Gangsta. Yeah, <laughs> That album came out 23 years ago, man. It's crazy, but me, me and it's funny. Me, me and my sister, we, we like I, one of my classmates when I was in junior high school. My Korean homie, funny enough, we we went to the store where the day it came out. I got it. My sister got it. My older sister got it, and he got it. We both, mm -hmm. we both like we each bought our own copy of Mister Don't Play, like the day it came out. Really? Wow. Because I love Getty Green. Yeah, Getty. Yeah, gotta get the green, man. And North. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, man. I don't even want to recite those lyrics on here. But Probably not. Bro, I used to bang that song. <laughs> even, bro, my gym playlist still like, North, North. Like, you just, like, want to go hard. Yeah. Till this day, man. Like, even <laughs> on the way here, I was banging Young Nutty. And I was like, man, this dude is cold. But the other day, I was banging Lil White Doubt Me Now. Oh, wow. Really yeah, getting taking, deep yeah. into the 3-6. But that, that, that came out. Around the same time, get rich or die. Try that. That it's like those two albums are like 2003 in a nutshell. Wow. Get rich or die trying, which everybody knows. Little white doubt me now, which if you in a certain region, you know very well. Yeah. <laughs> that literally two days ago, listen to doubt me now. So I think musically, again, we on that wavelength. And, and but you don't want people to think that. I, I, I don't want people to think that this is a criticism coming from a like a a place of being outside of mm -hmm. the culture, so to speak. I, I'm a hypocrite in that sense. I like, you know what I mean? If that's how you read it, you're going to think I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, if bro, you read it as I'm trying to preach you that all music is bad just because it has violence in it, then that's fair. That's what you take from it. I look at it you as know. like somebody telling me a story and just giving me this feeling a passion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I, I mostly get from stuff like that. And yeah. And so it's just a good thing that Somebody like say, when I called you, I was like, oh no, this is a real brother. I could feel that. But then it's like, 
we need to start telling our stories from our lens. You know what I'm saying? From like what we've seen growing up. And I'm also writing a little script about a gang member in LA and I'm using like the language and the way that we talk, not the way that like people that aren't from the city who wrote our films think that we talk, you know what I'm saying? There's certain things that I can't watch that are super popular and I'm like, bro, this does not sound like us. This I think is... that all the time. I see like <laughs> people down south and it's hard to get that very, that's very specific regional. Yeah. It's not just the accent, but the slang, the mannerisms. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, I know that's tough, but then it's like when you're from there and you want to watch your story and you see somebody doing it, you're like, oh, man, I can't. Ah. It's just not hitting how it's supposed to hit, man. So, you know, yeah. And then I heard you talk about John Boyega, how honestly I was like, damn, I'm surprised this British man is really doing it like this because I'm I lived in the south I could see I was like wow the and way we, we didn't lean all the way in to making him I feel like my accent is nowhere near as southern as it was I've been in LA for a while so I yeah. feel like I'd be saying hella and like some yeah a little like bit you, of lingo like you mork you be saying stuff like that. <laughs> you just you sometimes I'll say something and you'll just be like I don't know what that came but if I get around like my friends back home then mm. it starts to get it just naturally assimilates into the way they talk I'm sure it's like that if you get around like some super west coast people Bro, I, I, it yeah. just starts to get even thicker and thicker yeah yeah we, I have, I have we didn't want to go all the way Oh, man. We couldn't help him out there just talking like this the whole time. It, it was We tried to keep it not all the way so that he could really, like, because he's such a great actor that yeah. it's hopefully he can embody it without necessarily trying to emulate the most country of the country. And then nobody, I mean? I mean, really, people, a lot of people couldn't understand that. Even if he tries. You know, say if you go to the liquor store, you talk to somebody down south that's really country, you probably wouldn't know what the hell they say. <laughs> like, I was in Atlanta, hey, Shawty Mine, what are you talking about? Shawty Mine. I was like, bro, what is Shawty Mine? Although, all right, but yeah, man. So, what you working on next, bro? So, yeah, like right now, we working on my writing partner script. So, he's, we went to school for directing, and um, so hopefully, we'll be able to set that up and Hopefully be shooting that later this year, and then right after that, we're going to hopefully pitch the next thing for me to direct, and wow. hopefully we'll both be directing later this year, back in back on set, back in production. I really admire how humble you are, oh, Mr. I'm NAACP, humble, man. <laughs> nominated, direct, hopefully. Come on, man. Why are you giving me all these hopefullys? You, you, that man, you the man. You know what I'm saying? I love the humbleness, man. Hopefully. I'm like, this guy is going to get an NAACP award. And he wrote Creed. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll take it. But yeah, oh, yeah. man, I, I love the humbleness, man. Nobody's humble in their mind. <laughs> like, everybody yeah. think that what they working on is going to be good. And you know what I'm saying? No, like, I can, you, bro, you, know. you remember, you were, you were Taurus. So I know if the cameras was off, you're going to be like, man, we going to make that happen, man. They ain't going <laughs> to deny me. I'm that dude, man. You know what I'm saying? But like when you talk, who knows who's going to see this? You know what I'm saying? So you it's like, like I said, that's why I try to temper it because you ain't trying to be like <laughs> false humility. It's, I, of course, in my brain, I think it's good. You yeah, know what I'm saying? And it's, right. I, I hope others like it, but I can't control if they do. So it's, I try not to get ahead of myself in that in that regard. Man, you, yeah. that's a hell of a talent, man, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Oh, this thank is, you for having me, man. This has been wonderful, man. I feel oh, like I sure, made man. a best friend. You oh, know yeah, what I'm saying? Man, come on, man. We are Project Pat brethren <laughs> at this point. When the cameras cut off. 
<laughs> we gonna turn on cheesy dope. Go turn on ooh nothing. We gonna right. turn on like <laughs> the sauce that people don't know. Every, oh, people only know chicken here. Like no you know killers. what I'm saying? Oh, nigga, some hoe. Like, <laughs> you know, what? Run, but you we can't gonna play. Hide. I won't let you slide. We gonna play body parts too. Come you know on, what I'm man. saying? Man, let's get it, bro. I appreciate, appreciate you, my man. brother. Oh, for sure. All right.